Need another big third down conversion. Meyer looking to throw, fires deep down the left side for Blythe, and he has the catch. Tiptoeing the sidelines, 20, 10, five. Touchdown, Todd Blythe, his fourth of the day. Unbelievable. All right, welcome back everybody to episode four of the Meyer to Blythe podcast. I'm Todd Blythe, along as always with my co-host, Brett Meyer. Brett, how are we doing tonight? I'm great tonight, Todd. How uh, I should be asking you. I mean, you first built a nice, beautiful custom home. What was it, a million-dollar home? Big money guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Newest resident of, <laughs> yeah, new residents of uh, Folk City. I'll be handing out your address here shortly. Um, no, man, how's, how's, the new, how's the shiny new house? It's good, man. It's good. It, it uh, It's kind of weird. We were talking before we started recording, but it already kind of feels like home just because we've watched it, uh, you know, kind of grow from the ground up from the time they, they dug the hole in the ground till now. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's cool to look around and see everywhere you look to kind of see something that we, you know, picked out or designed all the way down to, you know, the, the knobs on cabinets and stuff like that is, is at least something that we had a conversation about. Conversation was usually like, hey, Todd, this is what I'm going to Yeah, I was going to say, we, you did not make any decisions. Yeah, I mean, 99.99% of this house was designed and picked out by my wife. You got to pick out the garage flooring. Yeah, I got, I had a couple must-haves. I wanted a, uh, we had a three-car garage before, but it wasn't very deep. So I wanted an oversized garage and I wanted a big shower. Um, So I got my six foot by six foot shower. And uh, those were really my two must-haves. Everything else um, my wife picked out and designed. And she did a fantastic job. Garage and shower. <laughs> so my, uh, one of my, my brother-in-law who lives in uh, Gilbert, just north of Ames, he works for like a, a lumber supply company. And he was saying, I was talking, we we're just talking about you moving in and you, you know, your new house. And I was showing him pictures and he was just like, yeah, they're pretty lucky they started when they did. Cause I guess there's like a massive lumber shortage right now because yeah, we, of, uh, uh yeah. Exactly. I don't know if your builder yeah, filled you in, but I think the obviously COVID because there's a big supplier out in like Seattle they work with and they were obviously shut down because of COVID. And there was another major supplier in Louisiana that was shut down because of the latest hurricane. So I think there's kind of a, a backlog that essentially you get caught up if everybody just stopped building homes for like, you know, a couple of months, which never <laughs> happened. So I think it was a good thing that you guys, um, we're done and broke ground when you did. Cause you know, there may be some delays. So yeah, it's good that you got it in, but no, a beautiful home. You sent me yeah, pictures. It's, uh, it's funny. We were talking to our builder about that exact same thing, not that long ago. And you know, he's still working on other houses and other projects um, now that he's kind of finished up with ours and yeah, he can't get things like shingles. I mean, siding is, is, you know, hardy plank siding. It's hard to get right now. Just the, the lumber to frame up is hard to get. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, we're really lucky, lucky we got in when we did really the only delays as far as things was we had to wait a couple extra weeks for, you know, like the fireplace to get in the stone took a little bit longer, but luckily it didn't delay us getting into the house at all, which was nice. Yeah. So I couldn't even imagine making those decisions, building a new home. I don't ever want to do that, but it's probably <laughs> sweet to have your shiny new house. Nobody. I, I can't imagine making those decisions either. Yeah. <laughs> like glad I didn't have to. Oh man. Okay. So, um, quick recap last Friday night, rough riders. So just to talk to me about, obviously sounds like your young sophomore quarterback made an impact, but what, 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 how's the Valley? Like, how's this quarterback that came in? What what were your impressions of him? Get from Colorado. Um, He's, uh, I mean, he only threw for about 145 yards or so in the second half. They kind of realized that, 
all the cute stuff wasn't going to work against our defense. So they kind of put him under center and just started running off tackle with their big running back. And um, when teams just try and overpower us and they have a big offensive line like Valley does, that's where we can get, get hurt a little bit maybe. But I mean, really this, this quarterback, you talk about somebody who gets off the bus and, and looks the part and is throwing the ball around in warmups. I mean, he, he can stand back there and, you know, throw a 15 yard out to the field and it looks pretty in warmups. Yeah. He looks the part. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. He looks good. So it was, uh, I mean, he's a good player. He's going to be an outstanding player at the next level. I think he checks all the boxes as does their running back who's, who's also going to K state. Mm-hmm. Um, our issue really came down to the difference between, I guess, our, our team where we're at and their team is, is, we made some mistakes. They also made mistakes. You know, it's week one. Um, the difference is their program. They can, they could overcome those and, and we couldn't, you know, we, our punting game was uh, left a little bit to be desired. I think we averaged, don't laugh at this. I think we averaged 12.5 yards on five punts, 12 and a half yards on five punts. It's tough to flip the field when you're doing that. And then we gave them the ball twice inside the 10. Um, uh, but yeah, we, I mean, talent wise, I don't think anybody that watched that game would say, Talent-wise, we didn't belong uh, on that field or, or couldn't play with them. Um, our, our quarterback's a stud. Like you said, he's a sophomore. He just turned 15 last month. Um, but he looks all of, you know, 20 years old. He doesn't look out of place when he's on recruiting visits or anything like that. Our running back's not very big, but he can absolutely fly. Um, I know it's hand-timed by a bunch of high school coaches, but he's never timed anything slower than a 4-4-4 for us. Um, a couple clocks have had him in the high four threes. Again, that's hand time with high school coaches. Yeah. The point is he can run. Um, he's not real big, but he's a stud, and somebody's going to get a really good player when they when they pull the trigger on him. And then yeah. our defense can just fly around. We get some uh, some fast, nasty kids on defense. So um, we yeah. got a chance. Hopefully we can keep playing. This may not be true, but I don't know that I ever ran north of 4-4. Four, four. But I don't. Again, that may not be <laughs> may not be true. You know um, which way north is, correct? They said it may not be true. And then, secondly, <laughs> I heard. Yeah, I just heard an article in the paper or something. I heard the White Owls weren't prepared. Their coach Roosevelt didn't do. Didn't uh, I don't know what. Any. I don't know what uh, fake, fake news media newspapers you're reading. But <laughs> our receivers played well. They did. Uh, we got a kid, a couple kids who didn't play the last couple of years. They're basketball guys. We got to come out this year. So there's a little size on the edge. And Stop it. Oh, I, I, these guys, first time playing they, uh, football, I coached them up, I taught them the game, and now they're all stick. Listen to you. <laughs> no, I mean, we struggle with inconsistency like anybody else or like any, you know, new group. I, I think we graduated, we graduated the top seven receivers last year. Um, yeah, so it's a whole a new time. crew. But, uh, no, they performed well. I was proud of those kids. They've grinded it out. They've worked hard. Um, and they, it, was, it was fun to see, uh, see them get a little bit of a payoff and, and perform on Friday. Do you think your players like you? I don't care if they like me. Yes, you do. No, I, I you do. Want to I be cool, Todd. Let's try to listen to their music, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> no, uh, I, yeah, I think my players like me. I got a good relationship with the guys, so that's fun. I yeah. enjoy that part of it. Yeah, that would be fun. I think it'd be fun to see. I never really got the coaching bug just because right now, just the time it would take and kids and all that. But mm-hmm. just to see their development from like you get a kid super raw and just see them see grow and be able to stay in touch with them and kind of mentor them along the way, that would be that's exactly that right. I mean, fun, yeah. the, there's a lot of parts about coaching that, you know, aren't a lot of fun and that you don't love, especially, you know, coaching at, at higher levels. But in high school, you know, you get these kids and, and sometimes they haven't played much football before. They did when they were younger and haven't for a couple of years. Uh, and you really get it. Like you said, you see them grow and, it, and it's a, a daily thing. You see the progress they make. And 
Uh, and it's fun just to hear their, the backstories of where they come from and, and what their experiences are like and kind of get invested in that and, and see if you can help them along in a, a period of their life, you know, from the time they're, you know, get to high school at 14 or so to the time they leave at 18. Uh, I think it's a pretty pivotal time in their lives and it's fun to play a little bit of a role and, and hopefully getting them on the right path and send them towards a, a bright future. So I don't know how much of a part I play in that. I know Mitch, our, our head coach that we had on, a couple of weeks ago, he plays a huge part in that, and he's he's fantastic at that part of it. Yeah, speaking of head coaches, let's let's give a shout out to our biggest fan, Austin William Austin Flynn, <laughs> Austin down Flynn. there in Deer Park, Texas. Shout yeah, out to Coach people Flynn. Obviously, there. probably don't know this. We get texts every week from Flynn, who just oh, yeah. he calls it criti- critiquing, but he just lights us up about everything that we talk about on the podcast. Yeah, um, so, so Flynn, if you're listening, we love you, buddy. <laughs> and I, I do to have him. to I have to address. The absolute worst mascot nickname in the history of sports. High school, college, NFL, Pop Warner. So Flynn's high school, he, he played there, starred there. I believe his dad was a coach for a long time, right? And then now obviously Flynn takes over. So it's Deer Park is the name of the high school. And their mascot is the deer. So it's the Deer Park Deer if there's a less intimidating mascot out there, I'd love to hear about it. Here's the deer. Well, I just got to talk about the creativity they got says, down there in the suburbs of Houston. Hey, hey, Park Deer. you guys are facing the deer tonight. <laughs> Is that going to keep you up well, at night? Just like come up with some Deer Park Mustangs. The Obviously, the Trojans, Atlantic Tro- Trojans is probably the number one top name of all time uh, shout out shout out to flynn down there in uh butthurt nation though we got we got into a little bit of a discussion today on one of our group chats and uh why'd you, my, you got, got all flynn, fired if you are listening i apologize i love you buddy don't apologize to him <laughs> deer park deer austin flynn we're gonna have you on sometime because I, I do want to i i'm fascinated by like 6a texas high school football Mask, so many good players. On, so many on, good, antlers up, baby. Mask yeah, on, so many good up. coaches. And I will say this, Flynn is uh he made it clear that his players and his staff are being compliant with the masking and so good for him and hopefully they have a good year. But yeah, we gotta give him a hard time because Deer Park Deer, that's that's uh, that's a disgrace. That's terrible. <laughs> you get Mustangs, Trojans, who like whatever. Just come up Indians. with a name. Well, Indians is a little problematic. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you want, are you guys gonna shout out Indian Hall, but yeah, let's uh, – well, you're, you got purple as your colors, too. That's, it's regal. It's color of royalty. Excuse me? <laughs> um, what else is yeah. going on in the world? How about regal. Cyclones? What do, we, what do we got going on there? We got fans. We don't have fans. What's happening? Yeah, I think that was just uh, – it was interesting because it was probably just a poor timing. Um, the announcement of – we're going to go forward with 25,000 fans. And who knows? I, I don't know what that would have looked like. How would you, how you would have managed that? I obviously, you know, I, I blindly trust Jamie Pollard like on to do, you know, whatever decision he makes, I, I just assume it's the right one. Cause he's absolutely, you know, he's lately, there's been so many, you know, so much positivity around our athletic department. And, but yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously I was, seems like they're going in the wrong direction when it comes to Corona and, infection rates and just the trends and obviously you have you know you have smaller state with two large universities and you know what that does to the numbers but you know when you're you see multiple outlets reporting that we're number one in the country and Ames and Iowa City are are right there at the heart of it kind of at the epicenter finally um, number one at something yeah I'm kidding so <laughs> yeah I mean who, who knows well, I, I just think it was the right decision to make it was probably a tough decision to make um, but I just you know I applaud 
you know, because sometimes you see people who make decisions, whether it's, you know, the Big Ten and Kevin Warren and people who make decisions and are afraid to go back on it. Um, I just applaud, you know, Jamie and, you know, the president of the university and whoever else was a part of that decision of just coming forth and and kind of making it right uh, for the time being. And we'll see, hopefully, you know, we'll uh, we'll get some fans. But I, I did a little pop with uh, with Chris, Chris Williams and and, uh, and Brent Bloom on just a Cyclone Fanatic, kind of a virtual, like a season preview and just kind of getting getting people engaged. And that was the question he asked me was like, what, what would it be like to play in front of no fans? And Weird. <laughs> well, I mean, we obviously don't have an experience of playing in front of no fans, but we do have the experience of playing in front of a packed stadium, a Jack Tri stadium with a ton of energy, whether it be first game of the year, you're playing our U and I games are always packed, obviously Iowa, Nebraska, any of those games. And then obviously in late in the season, if you're having a year where you're struggling, you show up and there's not a lot of tailgaters and it's cold and you, you know, it's 30,000 people in the stands or 35 or whatever that number is. And there's a yeah, definite you difference. Yeah, to generate your own energy. Yeah, the energy in the stadium and the energy and the warmth. I mean, just it's it's completely different. And so, but I, I think these kids have had enough, I mean, enough hammers to drop, right? I mean, the season gets pushed back, no spring ball. I mean, just all the changes they've had to make. Um, and I feel like Iowa State's going to do a pretty good job of making sure it's a home field advantage. Hopefully we can pipe in some crowd noise and do something because you're seeing in the NBA playoffs, like all these higher seeds that are losing early games. I mean, I think both the one seeds, both higher seeds in the East are going to be down 0-2. They are. Boston's up 2-0. They might be the higher seed. But then you look at Miami, went up 2-0 on Milwaukee tonight. They're not winning two games in Milwaukee in that new arena where it's just crazy. And same right. thing in Toronto. That's a loud arena. It's an odd arena to play in. Like, you know, so I think the home field advantage, hopefully we'll be able to find something to give us that advantage. Even, you know, 25,000 fans wouldn't have done it, but, you know, hopefully we'll be able to take advantage of it because, you know, Jack Tri Stadium is, you know, whatever it is, it, you know, betting lines, it's a couple points here and there, but it's a huge advantage to play at home and hopefully we'll be able to create that somehow. What do you think about, you know, playing without fans, like no fans? It'd be, tough. In it'd be really tough. I've had this conversation with some people today and talked about, you know, what do you think it would be like? And I mean, we've done scrimmages in, in spring. We've done scrimmages in fall camp of trying to, you know, in Jack Trice with no fans. And it's a, it's a weird atmosphere. It's a weird vibe because it's such a big stadium and a, and a big, you know, at a big arena really with, with mm -hmm. just nobody in there, nobody watching. There's no noise. There might be some music playing, something like that. Um, we're going to find out what, what the kids are not made of, but what kind of kids react to what, uh, you know, I've heard, you know, this is obviously a different kind of sport, but in golf, Rory McIlroy has talked about, you know, it's, it's been hard for him to get, uh, to get really engaged in, in the golf and tournaments on the weekends, even mm -hmm. in, uh, in the major a couple of weeks ago, uh, with no fans, you know, he's a guy who's used to playing in front of thousands of people walking the, walking the course and in the gallery watching him. And so he's somebody that, that feeds off of that. Um, for some guys, it might be a blessing not to play in front of those, uh, all those huge crowds yelling and screaming and they might feel freed up uh, to come out and play better. Some kids might not play as well because they really feed off that. I know myself, um, I needed that crowd. I needed that energy and that noise. I kind of knew I was ready to play if I didn't have a voice by the time I was ready for kickoff from just yelling at our fans, yelling at, you know, yelling across the field at the other team. They couldn't hear me, but I thought they could. So I'm yelling at them. So I, you know, I really enjoyed that atmosphere and that energy. Um, yeah, that's just the way I was. Everybody's different. So we'll, we'll find out. It's going to be, it's already been a weird year. It's going to be a weird season in football. 
Um, but I'm glad that we're at least trying football, unlike uh, the Big Ten and, and the Pac-12. I'm happy to see that, uh, that the Big 12 is going to try and go ahead with it. And like you said, I trust Jamie Pollard. I trust Matt Campbell. Um, they've earned that trust from the fan base. Uh, so we, you know, we'll take their lead and, and whatever we're allowed to do as fans will do. Yeah, I think spot on. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it works. I think some of the young guys maybe will benefit from uh, just get off to, getting off to faster starts, going back to kind of the NBA playoffs. There's been a ton of young guys are just going out there and, you know, just absolutely, you know, having unbelievable playoff series like they've been in the league for 10 years and it's they're in their prime and they're doing it now. And I think not having the bright lights of the NBA playoffs or playing on the road or anything. Yeah. It's, it's completely different. And I think you'll see that maybe trickle down in some ways to the college game, but let's get back to you mentioning golf, Rory. Um, Rory kind of mentioned he struggles. What, what would be, what is your excuse for struggling? <laughs> I should have known that was coming. As soon as you, you said you want to circle back around for golf. Yeah, let's just well, double back and just discuss. Right now. Um, How is the game I'm right now? I'm as good at golf as, as I've ever been because I'm not playing. Um, I ordered a new set of irons and sold my old ones and don't get my new ones for about another week or so. Uh, plus, I have a new little baby girl, um, so I just haven't played at all in the past yeah. couple of weeks. So, golf-wise, um, it's as positive as it's ever been. And there's no negative happening right now. So what about you, Brett? How's your golf game? Uh, it's okay. We're not, uh, we're not firing on, on firing on all cylinders, but uh, not completely dialed right now. Well, I mean, it's fine. I, I we're going to try and play next Friday. Aren't we? You're going to come down. Yeah. If I can make it work, I was, you know, I want to try to get, I would like to try to get back and cause I'm heading back to Atlantic to play in a golf tournament on Saturday with my brother and a couple of his friends. It's a tournament they do every year. Does Atlantic have a golf course? We have two like championship a, level golf courses. Like, That's a like a pigeon putt. Okay. Nishna Hills, baby. <laughs> and Atlantic golf and country club, man. Nishna Hills. Beautiful course. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I want to try to make it back. Hopefully I haven't seen my high school team play in years, so it'd be good to get back and they just renovated the Trojan bowl. I think it's now the number one stadium in the state. Um, well, hopefully believing. we can get on the course and swing him. Get Mylon keeps chirping us to say he thinks he's good at golf these days. I we'll cannot. Mylon, I cannot play with Mylon. He's probably a thirty <laughs> handicap. <laughs> Last yeah. time I played with Mylon, remember he asked us if he could tee his ball up in the fairway before he hit it. <laughs> I love you, Mylon, but no, no, we'll get, we'll have to get together and play some. Yeah, get you over to the new house. We'll pour up uh, pour up a little Cody Road bourbon from our friends at Mississippi River Distilling Company, who's. Uh, Who's partnered with Cyclone Fanatics, so that's that was a nice little blessing. I got a little gift in the mail from them, so shout out to uh, Cody Road boys over there. Appreciate that. I'm drinking the old fashioned right now; it's delicious. Drinking what? They got a, a bottled uh, barrel old fashioned. It is fantastic. Don't have to do anything to it; just pour it over ice, and it's ready to roll. I like it. Well, we talked a little bit uh, earlier today talking about, you know, what we wanted to discuss on the podcast. Um, one thing that I think uh, people would enjoy and something I know I would enjoy kind of looking back, uh, you know, whatever it's been now, 15, 16 plus years since we played, but uh, talk a little bit about our strength coach, Matt McGettigan. Um, he played a huge part in both of our lives, I think is uh, fair for me to say, uh, and, and everybody who went through the Iowa State program uh, under his watch. Uh, give me your give me your feelings on Coach Getty. Uh, what he what do you think he did for you in our program and 
if you got any uh, funny stories, which I'm sure you can probably dig up, <laughs> you can go ahead and tell those as well. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Getty and all the, you know, strength coaches role in a college football program is, you know, obviously they play a huge role in it more so than you see in the NFL and just any, really any sport, college, bad, doesn't matter. The strength coach in college football is just, it's one of the most important roles in all sports. And Getty, for me, he really sets the tone and set the expectation. I think the most important thing that you saw with Getty was he treated everybody the same. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, we all, I mean, I'm sure everybody listening, we all know what, what happened or what is happening over uh, on the Eastern side of the state at, at university of Iowa, um, the issues that they're going through right now and, and specifically the issues that they had in the weight room with their strength coach. Um, did you ever feel any of that with, with coach Getty? I mean, from my perspective as a, you know, as, as a white guy in the, in the weight room, um, you know, it's, it's tough for me to speak on that stuff, but, but for you, did you ever uh, feel any of those things, any of the issues that, that, you know, the Hawkeyes uh, talked about? Uh, no, no. I, I mean, I, I personally didn't. Um, and I, I haven't had a single person that I've played with or anyone voice their opinions differently otherwise. So I think in relation to that, I mean, I no, not to dig in it, obviously we're not in that program. We weren't there, but I think when you, when you go to school as, you know, any kind of minority, right, in the Iowa, just the way that the state is, or whether it's Iowa, you're going to Nebraska, you're going to Kansas or Kansas State, any school, really where the dynamics are, um, you know, where, you know, there's just not a lot of minorities. You're going to you're gonna feel different on campus. Now, I'm used to it because of the way I grew up, right, growing up in Atlantic and being, you know, the only black person in my graduating class and one of a few people in town and I, 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 you know, overwhelmingly had a positive experience growing up was, was accepted and people accepted our family and it was great, but that's, you know, you just realize and kind of understand and realize your, I guess, blackness for lack of a better term, when you're somebody who comes in from Houston, Texas, or comes in from Florida or comes in from wherever, they're going to realize that when they're on campus at Iowa, Iowa state, Nebraska, any school and you really need to be able to kind of be yourself when you get around your teammates inside the building. So I always felt like in our building in the Jake, we had no issue because we had a head coach who number one was had a ton of personality and let everyone be themselves. And even Getty, Getty ran an extremely tight ship in the weight room. Uh, but he let us he let us be ourselves and express ourselves. And again, it goes back to treating everyone the same. So like if you did feel, you know, if somebody, one of our teammates who say anybody from you know Florida who comes here and has gold teeth and dreads or whatever, that's a look that, you know, you don't see in Iowa a lot. And they can, you may feel alienated or you may feel you're just going to know and understand your place. And again, kind of your blackness and realize, uh, realize it more than you maybe did have ever in your life. And then you get to the, you get to the building and you can be yourself again. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I always applauded them for. You maybe not realize it in the moment because you've heard some programs where they're like Oklahoma state or obviously Iowa where that wasn't, you know, that's not always the case. So, um, I applaud coach Mack and then all of our assistant coaches and, and even coach Mack for hiring, you know, whether it was it was uh, Coach Alford or Damani Cross or Coach Grant, I mean, he had a, a diverse staff, and I think he let those coaches be themselves too, right? I mean, he, he, with Coach G and 
ice, I catch everything. And he, Coach <laughs> G was the one that was coach building G was a playlist before the games. Like he let the coach, he's sure. like, Coach Alford. And, and Coach Cross had a ton of personality. I remember Coach Cross. You remember him when he raced Jamar Buchanan? Oh, my gosh, yes. I thought he was like, going to tear a hamstring off. But he, he let those guys be themselves. And I think that yes. that gave players, if they were having any kind of issues on campus or, you know, whatever, it gave them the comfort to go to those coaches and talk to them about it. So yeah, I think football that honestly crazy. was, you know, football honestly was for me. And obviously I'm a white kid from the state of Iowa. Um, so, so it was a, it was a different experience for me, but you know, the going to the football building, that's where we wanted to go in our free time because it was that safe environment to, to do what you want to do, be yourself. Um, and I think that that was across the board. You mentioned coach Getty that, you know, he ran a tight ship and he did, it was a very tight ship, but it was a tight ship for everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, it didn't matter if you had dreads and gold teeth. It didn't matter if you were, you know, the, the biggest redneck from the smallest town in Iowa. If you worked hard and you did what you're supposed to do, uh, you were going to be, you know, on his good side. If you didn't do what you're supposed to do and you didn't work hard and you cut corners, it didn't matter what you looked like, where you're from, what your background was, you know, race, religion, any of that stuff. Um, he just wanted people to handle business and, uh, almost to the point where he liked the, you know, the, the grinding walk on kids more than he liked the, the star players sometimes. Oh yeah. He loved you. Yeah. I mean, with Getty, as long as you had your issued gear on, you had the issued socks on and there weren't rocks in your shoes. And Oh which, my gosh. You know, but to me, I think the thing that like we had a dynamic warm up that was like, so we didn't like, go to workout. stations. Yeah. Like you'd go to those three stations and then you'd have essentially one of them was jump rope. And like we each station Lee went tips. three minutes. Well, anybody, not just tips, <laughs> but anybody. You had you had what was it? Three break max. So like if you jump rope and you and you have to stop because you you know kicked your foot or something like that's a break. And you would have to say like Meyer one, Meyer two, Meyer three. And if you got to four before the three minutes was up, like it extended by like what thirty seconds or something. Yeah, it, it, you got you got penalized and your whole group got. Penalized yeah, so there were so it. many little like mental just hurdles that he would oh, just inject into, into our program. Day. Like even oh. like you're throwing the medicine balls and they're getting sweaty. Like you throw them back and forth as part of the dynamic warmup. And if you dropped one, you started over, you'd go to like 40 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then like on the, on the bike, those, gosh, those bikes, like you remember the oh, first day level, level five when the new strength rage, staff rage came in man. and the bikes were gone. Oh my God. Uh, you would have thought that they gave each player like a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it was like the biggest <laughs> celebration, but they're like the bike. So like you would have to pedal to level five and raise your hand when you get to level five. And if anybody got below level five during a three minute time span, like the time would be extended for everybody, everybody jumping rope, everybody on the medicine ball. And then even if we were doing like lunges in the, in the indoor facility and it was like, all right, he'd say right foot, And then, you know, you had to start with your right foot. And if somebody started with their left foot, everybody was punished. So, I mean, just little things like that, that I think mentally really kind of showed their head when you're tired. And I think that really prepared us for, you know, if it was the third quarter, fourth quarter, and you have, you know, I have an assignment or I need to focus on something, or you have an assignment and you have to focus on something, you really can draw back on that. So I think he just absolutely prepared us. I mean, consistency, discipline, and again, treating everybody the same. Didn't matter if it was like, if you were, you know, Seneca Wallace or, you know, whoever, Reggie Hayward or, 
you know, ace, it didn't matter who it was, Stevie, didn't matter who you were an A plus player or you were, you know, the day one walk on who didn't even have a number. He treated everyone the same. And yeah, I mean that, that to me is the biggest, you know, I, again, you don't think about it when you're in the moment because you only know your program, but now that we've been out for a few years. Yeah. And we're kind of hearing some of the horror stories that are, whether it's Iowa city or just, yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating that kids have to go through that. You can't feel like they can be themselves. And I'm just glad, you know, our program and coach Mac built a culture, um, that, that just didn't allow for, didn't allow for anything like that. Um, didn't allow for his players to have to go through that. And yeah, you just, you're very appreciative of coach Mac and Getty and everyone involved. So yeah, I know he's, and the funny thing is like, he's at air force. And if there's a program that fits him any better, like, I don't know where it's at. I know he's been there for, yeah. I mean, that that was his first stop after the 06 season. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that he, uh, that's a great fit for him and I couldn't be happier for him. Yeah. I try and tell people sometimes uh, about Getty and, and just when people are asking what it was like in the program and, you know, the, the level of discipline that Getty demanded from us, I mean, I always kind of say he was an on-the-line, behind-the-line guy, meaning when we're running sprints, some sprints he'd say, okay, you're starting on the line, which means your toe's on the white line. And you're, there's not green between it, your toe's on the line, white line. The next rep, he might say you're behind the line. And your toe better be behind the line with green between you and the white. And he has assistant coaches on each end of the line that people are running from staring down to make sure you're doing that and if you and if coach roof Roof, exactly and if one person is on the line when they're supposed to be behind it you know he lets you run the rep and then tell you that it didn't count but Mm -hmm. it wasn't it didn't feel like you know it wasn't like a personal punishment like that It, it was it was just a hey you didn't live up to the expectations that we in this program have set and i mean getty was and he respected you know, guys that just flat out wanted to work and he respected honesty and you know, talking about the honesty, you had a funny story. So our freshmen, our freshman year, um, when we got bowl eligible at K state, we had the big fourth quarter rally. Um, uh, we get eligible at, at, at K state the next day, you know, we lift right away Sunday morning, the day after the game, we get into lift. And I think, I think we had celebrated a little bit the night before and I'm not feeling, you know, maybe a hundred percent or quite up to par. And I get in and, and I have to, in the middle of the workout, run over and, and throw up in a trash can. So, of course, after the workout, we have to check out with Coach Getty. Every person individually checks out uh, their workout card with Coach Getty. He looks at me with the, you know, the, the voice that sounds like he got kicked in the throat and says, well, uh, <clears throat> Blythe, uh, I noticed you had to run over and throw up in a trash can. Uh, you know, what, what was the problem there? Are you sick? You got the flu? What's going on? And rather than lie and tell him I just didn't feel good, I, I just kind of said, well, Actually, Coach, I think I just celebrated the win a little bit too hard last night. And he just looked at me and kind of nodded his head and gave like a grunt. <clears throat> okay, okay. And I honestly think he respected the fact that I just said, hey, Coach, I was a little hungover today, rather than try and lie and say said I didn't feel good. And so he just kind of let that go. But he was uh, – if you were honest and upfront and worked hard, you were going to be just fine with Getty. If you weren't those things, that's when you're going to have a problem. Yeah, he was pretty funny too. He had like a little, he had a sense of humor that was kind of oh like my gosh. Yeah, under the radar, kind of, yeah, unassuming, but he was pretty funny. So yeah, I, I a great experience and, you know. Did you ever miss that, a workout? I was just going to ask you if you, I had to do one makeup workout and this is actually like, <laughs> I was a good teammate though. So Jermaine Hickey was my roommate freshman year. Funny story was like, you're always kind of, they always kind of pair you with like, you know, guys from Texas roommates or you know, we had two guys somebody from Oklahoma roommate. You're, you're always room with somebody you have something in common with. And I was in, let's see, I was in 
2225 Willow Arnquist. I remember second floor Willow. That was our dorm room. So I walk in there first day, and Jermaine was like a day one. He, I don't know if he was in, he was in camp maybe with us. He was but, in camp. Yeah, he was part of the Yeah, so like we walk in there together, and I'm just like, like what? Why are we? Why are we rooming together? And like it was funny. Oh, like, literally, did, it's right? like out of a movie. Like I put down a picture of my family. Obviously, you know, I'm adopted. My family's white. Um, and then J- Jermaine puts that picture of his family. He was adopted <laughs> by a white family. And then we both just looked at each other and started laughing. Like, oh, I get it. Ah, I see why he put us together. <laughs> yeah, he's still a close friend of mine to this day. But it was just funny. Um, but anyway, so Jermaine, this is the one. He broke his foot. I believe it was our freshman year. And we kind of like half overslept. And like for Getty, he's like the Tom Coffin. Kind of like half overslept. Okay, just listen. So Tom Coffin, <laughs> like obviously like 10 minutes early. And you had people like Ryan Baum, that guy Baum, who would like, you know, some guys are going too early. It's like, okay, just wait five minutes before we're supposed to start, go in. As soon as the first guy goes in, everybody has to go in. So, everybody has to. Yeah, yeah. So, again, we oversleep, and it's like a 6 a.m. workout during winter conditioning. So, like, you got to be in the weight room by probably like a quarter to six, maybe like 10 to six. Maybe they'll wait for, like, guys who come in, you know, kind of – a little bit later, but you got to be there. Five fifty-five five minutes late. before. Five fifty-five is late. Yeah, you're late. Like <laughs> legit. Like go home. You're doing a makeup workout. Yep. So Jermaine broke. You don't, you don't get to even start start the lift. If yeah, you're I don't late. even know if we overslept or our ride just left. Like Mylon was using our ride because he had a car. Yeah. So yeah, hit and miss. Mylon might have just <laughs> left us, but anyway, so we didn't have a ride, so we had to run from Maple, or excuse me, run from Willow across like you know past like Hilton through the parking lots into the weight room. Jermaine had a broken foot. So like I could have just left him because obviously I didn't run and like, I'm not missing the workout, but I kind of, you're, you're a team guy. Well, yeah, I just waited for him. Cause he's like, <laughs> it was kind of funny. He laughed at it too, but he's like, he's like, dude, I can't run. He's like gipping along with his broken foot. <laughs> <laughs> and then we walk in there. We walked in there. Before like, six, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I didn't even have socks on. I had everything on. Like, like whatever, we'll see if this works. So Jermaine comes gimping in and I come in, it was like five fifty eight. So like, we're not late, but on Getty time, we're late. And we understand that. We know that. Mm-hmm. So Roof tells me, grab a jump rope. So I'm like, oh, great. Like, I made it. I'm good. Getty, go home. I'm like, so that was the one, <laughs> that was the one, like, makeup workout that we had to do. So I don't feel bad were about you, that. Were one. you on the Stairmaster? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't anything that was, like, hard to do. I mean, what? we're in shape. and But yeah, some guys, no. like. I know, mentally, I if, you, if you let it mentally get to you, it's just like, right, I'm going to do this workout. And, you know, so the, the, the classic makeup workout for Getty, and I, and I had this one time as a freshman, is I overslept. I, I woke up and had like, would have had like five minutes to get to the, the There's not room. a worse feeling in the world, honestly. No. There's not a worse feeling in the no. world than if you were in college and you overslept or something. <laughs> like you missed a meeting or it didn't matter. Like there's not a worse feeling in the world than knowing that you missed a Getty workout and just and like I knowing that you're going to have to do makeup. Yes. I looked at the clock and it's like, I, I can't, I can't physically get there. It was like, I just kind of laid my head back down in, in bed and obviously couldn't fall back to sleep because I was just scared to death. The, the typical makeup workout was, so if anybody's been to like a gym that has those enormous like Stairmasters, not the ones with the little pedals, but the ones that look like an escalator. And when you get on top of it, you're like four feet in the air. That's, that's what he had. So you're on that for 45 minutes with a stick on your back and your hands up over the stick weighted vest and a weighted vest. And he counts how many, how many times you fall off and you just do it for 45 minutes straight. So mine was 45 minutes, 45 pound weighted vest, a stick on a stick on my back. So your hands 45 are 45 pound vest. Yeah. 
Maybe so your hands are up over the uh, up over the stick, so you can't hold on to anything. I fell off six times, which I didn't fall off at all. But you well, mainly saw. Aren't you something? But I, I remember the. Uh, aren't you something? <laughs> do you remember who? Uh, do you remember who set the record? Uh, something like Ron Pilo or something, or Boyd Veers. You fell off like a no, hundred. No, no, hey, Doctor Boyd Veers. He's a, you exactly. know I think he's a urologist. I funny because I live in Minneapolis. So I cover the Mayo Clinic, and Boyd Veers is. Um, I'm walking in the hall one day. And I hear Meyer. I turn around. I'm like Boyd. I was like, Oh, sorry, Doctor Veers. <laughs> like, what? So we talked for like 20 minutes. It was good to see. Uh, him. But yeah, he was a character. But yeah, yeah he set the record. He's a urologist. Like 106 times in 45 minutes. And then every time you every time you fall off, there's a punishment at the end, and you. Like I had to do six of them. I think it was a circuit of like push up, sit up, up down, and so six of them wasn't bad. But if you fall off a hundred and some times, like that part of the workout is going to kill you. And then, but the the thing with Getty was once you made up your your workout, it was done. Yeah, I mean he didn't hold a grudge, nothing. He you know is basically water under the bridge. Okay, show up tomorrow and, and let's get ready to roll. But man, yeah. those work those makeup workouts they sucked, and it was the worst feeling in the world waking up, looking at the clock, and saying I'm not going to make workout. Nothing worse. No, he, uh, but he, he was, uh, I mean, he had a good sense of humor. I remember when, uh, <laughs> you remember when somebody farted in the weight room and just the whole weight room just stopped. I do remember that. He goes, terrible. yeah. Cause like Getty was, he was obviously <laughs> serious. And like after the, after, after we got done with the workouts, we'd wait in line and he'd go with your partner and he'd be like, all right, on your bench press, how was it? Squats? How was it? Whatever. And yeah, somebody clearly like everybody was just like, what? Like, oh, it's just the worst smell you've ever smelled in your life. <laughs> and Getty, he breaks and he's like, he goes, he's like, who, who, who farted and didn't claim it and waits and nobody says anything. And he just goes, coward. <laughs> and, like I looked at Marquise Hamilton and Keys and like, I've never wanted, I've never like wanted to laugh as hard. Like I just lost it. Like it was a funny thing. You know, Marquise, like obviously oh, yeah. it's a great radio, but Keys is like, just hilarious. One of my favorite teammates and favorite people. And he was just like, he looked at me like, wait, did that just happen? It was, it's one of those things when Getty would crack a joke, you'd kind of look around first before you started laughing because you didn't know if you were allowed to laugh. But he was uh, just so mad that I someone was, didn't know any cowards. <laughs> cowards. Who farted in my weight room didn't claim it. Didn't claim it. It wasn't me, though. I know that much. But All right. But What uh, else okay. you got tonight? Anything else you want to talk about, buddy? Um. I don't know who's Roosevelt got Friday night. Uh, we have East, Des Moines East, and it uh, looks like it could be our last. So this is the last game before we technically start our school year, which is 100% virtual, as we've talked about. So the governor is telling us we can't play. Um, so this is the last one we're guaranteed to get. So uh, yeah, she, yeah she's also telling us. Hopefully we can send the kids out. Uh, yeah, it is our last Iowa one. State it was a great idea to have 25,000 fans too. Don't get me started on this stuff. This, this is what we got into today. I, know, uh, I mean – Tough decisions yeah. to make, but you got to step up and make some. I feel exactly. Like. But I don't know. I'm li- I live in Minnesota. She wants to so close I- bars and raise the drinking age, but she doesn't want to tell people to put a mask on. Like, what's uh, going on? We don't need drink- to get into all this. The only thing hold on, hold on. is let's either be all in to to stop the spread of the virus, or you're all out. Can you raise the drinking measures, age in your state? Is that like a national thing, or is it a state? No state idea. State? But that's what she said today. Because apparently, um, the only way or the the Worst way to transmit the the virus is to be between the ages of 21 and 25 and drinking alcohol. COVID really likes those people and really targets those people when they're infecting. So I don't know. It is it is what it is. It's the world we're living in right now. But yeah, I just I think you gotta if you're you just gotta default to the kids. 
they're not making any decisions and now they're going to be affected again. All the things they've lost out and missed out on and the changes they're having to make in their lives, especially like, you know, Roosevelt and some of the schools in the city are different than there's different dynamics at play than a walkie or Ankeny. And you just kind of ask your question, like if a, you know, walkie or Ankeny or Dowling or anybody else were to say, we're going hundred percent virtual, would they get the same response? Is it the best thing for the kid to take away one, the structure of the one, the structure of school has been taken away because they, they voted to go online, which, you know, that, that was a decision that, that's already been made. Now that being done, is it the best thing to now take away the only other structure that, that some of these kids have, which is extracurriculars, be it, be it football or, you know, volleyball, marching band, what, you know, whatever it is, is that the best thing for the kid to now take that away? I mean, my answer, I no, but no, but I'm not the one uh, in the big office making those decisions. So, and we've said all along, Brett, you've said a lot, neither you or I envy anyone that has to make these decisions, but be decisive and, and kind of pick a side, either be all in and, and do to take every measure to stop the spread of this thing. Um, Cause because half measures and doing some things, but not other things, all you have are the highest positivity rate in the country right now is what a lot of people are reporting about our state. Um, and also people losing jobs and losing businesses because of the, the regulations that she has put down. Um, it, I mean, that sucks for those people. Either. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily blame the loss of jobs and businesses on anybody. That's just kind of like a, I don't need, even if you, cause. But if you're going to do that, then you better be doing something that stops the spread. You can't have the highest positivity rate and then also be, have people lo- be losing jobs. If you have the highest positive positivity rate, at least leave everything open so that people can keep their jobs and their businesses. Yeah. But people aren't going to go in. even if, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I think it's a tough, you know, there was, yeah, I mean, there, there's businesses closing and restaurants up here in Minneapolis are closing and they, but I, yeah, I think the one thing, just the easy thing to do is the mask mandate. I, I don't, I can't get to a place where I understand why you wouldn't just do that. It seems it's, it's simple. I mean, it's simple to do and you know, it's it, not perfect by any stretch, but that's something that universities believe to help. Mm-hmm. Like just do it. Cause I think a lot of it has to do with the overall tone and approach and if, you know, the leader of your state says, look, here's what we're going to do. This is why we're going to do it. Everyone needs to kind of just come together, take care of each other. Like even like Kirk Cousins today, I thought any so backlash. If I die, I die. Well, no, no, no. I, I, li- I went back and listened to the interview and I thought what he said was awesome. He was just like, look, this is how I feel about the virus. I wear a mask out of respect for other people exactly. and their views. So I, that is, that was the most, it, to me, that is exactly what everyone should be doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that any backlash he got was, I understand like, you know, we got to get our page clicks. We got to make money, but it was yeah, just, they, it's they take the, the easy quote. Yeah. I, I mean, cousins is, I, I like him. I like listening to him. I think he's extremely smart and well thought out a little quirky at times, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> he essentially was like, because the question was like on a scale of one to 10, how concerned are you? One being you're not concerned at all. 10 being you're never leaving your house again. And cousin's answer was like, I'm like, a, what do you say? Like 0.0000001. Like I'm not concerned about wearing a mask at all. Like if I get it, I get it. I just, I'm not a mask guy, but he said, I wear a mask out of respect for others, people who may be concerned about it, which I think is the best lesson that every single person can learn from exactly. whether you're, you know, 
if you're somebody who doesn't believe in a mask. And a lot of people are. I know there's a lot of people who are wearing masks who don't want to, don't think they help, but they're doing it because they're grown-ups and they can follow directions and they care and want to do it out of respect. So I think his message was was spot on and it was kind of unfortunate that, you know, the, the social media train kind of took off on him and, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of blue check marks decided to chime in. For, but. for anybody out there who says they don't believe that masks help, then don't ever let me catch you, like, cover your mouth when you sneeze like I was an automatic reaction because the second that you cover your mouth is when you sneeze it tells me that you believe in the technology of the mask the technology. so I mean it but, I mean you're exactly right and Kirk Cousins is exactly right yeah he, he said I think he said a good example I guess the, yeah the mask is to is to help other people from you not you from other people uh, the yeah. mask doesn't necessarily do much to help you it saves other people from you if you're potentially serious. yeah i would yeah just a simple mask mandate i think it's just the overall tone of it and people realize it's serious because i think if you do have like a relaxed approach to it and you make recommendations it's like well you have all those anti-maskers or someone who's not you know who's in kirk cousins camp where it's like you know what i'm not going to let it run my life which i think is, is a is a is a very good way to approach it because there's a lot of people who probably throughout this whole pandemic mentally have gone in the other direction or not in a good place because the anxiety. So I think if you can get to a place mentally where you don't let this, this whole pandemic and this situation kind of run your life, you're going to give your chance, give yourself a chance to be happy and, and deal with it the best way. So, you know, I think if you, if you just, if you just embrace it and everybody tries to get along and everybody tries to help each other out, but from the top down, it's just got to be a top down approach. Like, mm-hmm. The, the I'm not going to let it run my life, but I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I just, yeah. The mask mandate to me, I can't, again, I can't get to a place where like, and, and for anyone out there, who, anyone out here who does believe in, in wearing a mask, uh, check out the cycle fanatic merch store. They have a fantastic, uh, Cardinal, uh, mask that you can buy. I have one I myself, one uh, that's got the, the CF cyclone logo on it. Um, I wear it anytime I go to, uh, university of Iowa hospitals and clinics for work. So trying to show the colors uh, behind enemy lines over there anytime I can. You're scared to do that. You're over there. Nobody's. <laughs> uh, I, I do that. I, I go knock on Kirk Ferentz's door and just to say what's up with my Cyclone Fanatic match. Right. Hey, if I come, if I'm in town, uh, if I make it down Friday, I'm staying at your house. You got my room ready, like my guest room, king size no, bed. No, we we built the house specifically with no guest rooms, so that you can't stay. King size bed. I need like a good firm pillow. You can get Not a queen size bed. I'm, I'm actually in our spare bedroom right now. And no, it's the king queen size, size listen, bed. king size bed, a semi-firm mattress. <laughs> I don't have a sleep number yet, but I need like a firm pillow. Can't be the my pillow guy. He's a fraud. Um, but yeah, I need a good, a good strong pillow. You got and, it. Uh, I prefer in summer, I prefer a quilt because it's a little bit cooler. So not like a heavy down comfort. Are you writing this down? Yeah, oh, for okay. sure. Yeah, so and then yeah, I should be good to go. But obviously, nice. Yeah, just, just send me send me your bed specs after. Yeah, this. I could use one towel. Just need one shower, washcloth, Old Spice. Um, Are you a bar soap guy? I'll bring it with. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, obviously, I expect good food, and I don't want to be awoke by your kids. I don't care. So, <laughs> got to figure that out. <laughs> I got I got nothing for you on that one. I don't control those. How is baby KJ? How old are we now? She's a stud. Um, she is, she'll be three months, uh, middle of this month. So she's my two-year-old, awesome. my two-year-old went potty at school today. 
She won't hey. do it at home. She don't have no Really? She won't be, or excuse me, potty at home, but she will no, at school? Our kids think, like, it's hilarious because, like, they listen so well at school, and then they get home, it's like. They man. test you. They just want to test you when they get home. They oh, yeah. What they boy, get away she's with. hilarious. She's so funny. But, yeah, they, they don't. Like, we're trying to get her off a pacifier. I literally, you thought, man, you'd have thought I, like, pushed her off the deck tonight or something. Like, she was not. <laughs> she just was losing her mind. I'm like, no, you don't use it at school. Like, literally, she has it in the morning in the car. She'll put it in her little cup holder on her car seat and just bounce out the car. I'm fine. Nothing. Then as soon as she gets home, she starts looking for it. Passy. Where, where's my pacifier? Like she'll speak clear. Where's my pacifier? Like, Child, when you're old enough to ask specifically for your pacifier, yeah. you She's don't get two. it. So like we give it to her when she goes to bed and then yeah. if we're in the car for long trips, but yeah, trying to get them off of it. Olivia was easy. We just lost the last one. Cause those things you lose like 700 of them a week. Oh, wait till you move. Wait till you move. You'll find oh. them all. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's very true. Like, yeah, we, it's funny. We do, you find them in random places, but we just like got rid of the last one and she was cool, but Violet, but that's my little baby though. I'm I'm kind of a punk when it comes to her. She gets whatever she wants. So your girls are gorgeous, man. Yeah, I'm soft, but Jace thinks the same. I'll fight Jace if he comes <laughs> forth for real. Like, She's three and a half. You're not yeah, gonna okay. fight. No, okay, okay. Let, let's wrap. Now we're All just right. now we're just rambling. All, All right, right brother. Um, Good talk. Yeah. Good luck this Friday. Get your receivers prepared, ready to go. <laughs> Appreciate it, boss. I'm gonna try. Right. Yeah. Later, bud.